Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozier with Nimrod Outdoors, and here we have another great podcast for you guys today. Um, this is going to be a two-part episode um, that Chelsea and I are going to co-host again together, uh, and so you get to hear the wonderful better half of m- myself again this week and next week as uh, we talk about a subject that I think is really awesome. Uh, it's something that's near and dear to our heart, um, and really what it is, it, what it comes down to is the fact that we believe that we are called uh, to called by God for a purpose. And when we say we, we don't just mean the dozers, we mean you too. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been called to do things in his name for the kingdom of Christ. And so the way, the best way we know how to talk about that is to kind of tell our story and talk about how God has used us over the years um, and how it has developed into a ministry called Nimrod Outdoors. And so we hope you stick with us. We hope you enjoy this. Mostly we hope that it just encourages you um, and that you get uh, you get encouragement out of this and you can push forward um, knowing that God has called you to something greater. Um, we're going to, we're going to kind of kick it off just by talking about our story. But like I said, um, we believe that God has called each and every one of us, uh, to do something for his name. And one verse that really sticks out, uh, just for mine and Chelsea's life is Ephesians 2:10, And it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the cool thing is, is that I think Chelsea and I both agree that if we look back on our life, maybe not in the moment, but if we look back on our life now, uh, having a little bit of uh, 2020 vision looking back, we can say that there were definite instances in our life that God had us in a position that helped prepare us and build us for where we are today. Um, And I think that's really cool. Uh, But Basically, you know, it starts off in the early years, um, and I had a vision when I was about eight in eighth grade, I guess. I, I was one Saturday morning, was watching hunting shows, and I saw, saw a show where uh, this, this organization called Outdoor for a Dream Foundation took a bunch of uh, kids that were uh, terminally ill and took them out hunting and fishing, and the Lord just pricked my heart there. And I can remember when the show was over, I walked up to my dad's office and I sat down in his office and told him, I was like, I I know what I want to do for my life. Uh, And my dad being the man that he was, I didn't squelch that. Um, He did ask questions and wanted to know practically what that looked like. Uh, But throughout my life, starting in eighth grade, uh, my dad really helped me steward that, I guess, calling in my life for what that looked like. Um, And really, you know, I, I had a passion for hunting, I had a passion for fishing, and I had a passion for taking others to experience that. Um, 
but nothing really came to formation until many, many years later, um, which is an, a testament to uh, the timing of God and what that looks like. And, and we will continue to talk about that, how I'm hard-headed and stubborn. Um, but really, uh, where Chelsea picks up is kind of in college. I, I met Chelsea freshman year of college in science class, and um, I don't, you know... Freshman biology. <laughs> freshman biology. <laughs> I'm not real sure... Uh, I'm going to let her speak on, on what her thoughts were uh, as far as meeting me for the first time and, um, and our conversations as far as my vision of just wanting to take people deer hunting. So, Chelsea, go ahead. So, yeah, it all, all began freshman biology. Um, I remember seeing you in front of me. wasn't a big deal until one day. <laughs> um, I, I played soccer. You played baseball. And... Um, we had soccer freshman initiation and I was in this horrible, terrible, embarrassing outfit. And I remember just sitting in the hall. I was super embarrassed. And you came up to me and you were like, Hey, can I wear that awful hat for you? And I was like, sure, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) And that's where it all began. It started right there in the hallway. (laughs) Um, and so of course, like we started dating eventually, and um, we won't get into all the details with our dating life, but um, we started dating, and I guess it, was, it wasn't quite that year. It was a couple of years later. I remember sitting on the couch um, watching TV with you and your roommate, and you somehow got on the conversation of how you wanted to take people deer hunting. Like, that's what you wanted to do with your life. And I remember just like, in my mind, I was like, Really? like that's that's gonna provide for our family and that's all I could think about I was like you know I'm gonna marry this man and all he wants to do is take people deer hunting so one am I gonna ever see him and two like is that really gonna provide money like okay I don't think it came out super nice I think you kind of just said really and rolled your eyes and that was the end of the conversation but I'm I was dead set on it there was no doubt Yeah, I think I hurt your feelings a little bit that day. Um, I do feel bad about it, but I mean, in my defense, (laughs) I'm seeking out a husband, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then, you know, we moved on from there, and um, I ended up getting a job teaching locally, and you had moved back down to Georgia, and and then you were like, well, I was putting the pressure on you if we're going to make this happen come on, man, where's the ring? (laughs) And so you started job searching up in North Carolina um, just to be able to get up there so we could start moving on with our life. And that's when you landed a job at a a summer camp, Falling Creek. That's correct. Yeah. So I, I, you know, Chelsea, like she said, she was kind of putting the pressure on me. We had been dating for five years, uh, going to school in North Carolina up there at college. And she, like she said, she got a job teaching at the local high school there. And uh, so I, we were for a year, we had a kind of long distance relationship uh, three hours away, uh, seeing each other as often as possible, but you were putting the pressure to me. So I had to find a job. And I remember, man, the economy was in the dumps and I, I was looking everywhere for a job. And the only thing that I could find that actually stuck was a summer camp position as a archery instructor. Um, <laughs> and so even though I, was, I had like made the jump from Georgia to North Carolina, um, we s- still didn't get to hang out at all. And so that, there was a, a tension there. Um, but 
one thing that Falling Creek provided for me was, you know, back back in eighth grade, I had this heart for taking people hunting. Um, but Falling Creek is where God really basically changed my heart um, and gave it direction. Um, and, and that all came because I, I was there all summer. I was working with kids, and that was great. But at the end of the summer, uh, the, the owners at Falling Creek asked if I would stick around for a military father-son weekend. Um, and there was incentive for some, a little extra money there. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I could just remember these dads coming in and they had placed me in charge of a group of about six dads and sons. And that first evening, um, the dad, I sat around the table with the dads, just trying to get to know them. Kids were out playing and and I was introducing myself. They were introducing themselves. And, uh, one of the dads kind of was getting a little teary eyed and I said, man, what's going on? And he shared with me that he had spent, uh, his son was fixing to turn eight years old, um, and he had spent the past eight years uh, in deployment in I- Iraq. Um, and uh, he was terrified because this was the first weekend he was physically spending with his son. Uh, he knew his son through letter. He knew his son through Skype. Um, he had seen him grown up, but he had never physically individually spent time with his son and he was like man i'm scared i don't know i don't know what my boy likes and what he dislikes you know i i'm he said i could tell that first night like he was afraid to even put his arm around that around his son um didn't know if that was proper or not um and the awkwardness of all that um and seeing that on display but man just seeing the transformation in less than 48 hours of when they went to leave, that dad had that boy up over his shoulders running up the hill to the car, and they were laughing and having a great time. And in that moment, God was like, this is, this is what I've, I, I have called for for men is to love their sons and love them well. And in that moment, he gave me a heart for fathers and sons and gave me a heart for providing dads an opportunity to spend quality time with their kids like I saw on this weekend, but also encouraging, challenging, and equipping these men to understand the power they have in their role and in their God-given role as men, husbands, and fathers. Um, And unfortunately, our society today has, uh, we have allowed men to become passive to those roles. Um, And so that that moment right there, Fallen Creek, uh, even though for Chelsea and I's relationship was kind of a a tension uh, builder uh, for as far as what God had called Chelsea and I to together was a, a very pivotal moment in the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors and how it continued out from there. Um, after that, uh, that was 20, I think that was summer of 2011. Um, we got engaged uh, that winter, that fall, my, my birthday, um, which was uh, awesome. And uh, by that next summer of 2012, we were married. Um, uh, we And it, it was awesome. We were newly married. We were having... Um, you know, finding a church, getting involved in a church. We knew God had called us uh, into um, into being involved in a church. Um, and so we were seeking out churches. And we ended up landing at a church called Brevard Community Church. Um, and there uh, we, we really started to flourish and get to know people and get involved in the community and get involved in the church. Um, well, something I wanted to add in is... Like, there was kind of several things stirring in our hearts in that moment. Um, And one of them was I had always just had this passion to go to Africa. And uh, we were newly married, and we were sitting 
in church and there was up on the announcement screen was a trip to Kenya and Uganda. And you, I remember like, I just lit up, like I was sitting there and I was just like, wow. But I saw the cost of it and I was like, there's no way. And you turned and looked at me and you're like, you want to go, don't you? And I was like, that would be incredible, but there's no way we can afford this trip. And you being the encourager you are, you were like, well, let's start praying about it. And if you're meant to go and God wants you to go, like you're, he'll provide the funds, like you'll get to go. And sure enough, like the funds came in and I got to go to Uganda and Kenya um, with Compassion International. Um, And I came back and I was just like, wow, like this was, this was awesome. My heart is still there. And uh, I started to feel a calling to missions in my own heart. And in my mind, I'm visualizing like we're getting up and moving to Africa. Um, And so you and I then sat down with one of the pastors at the church and ended up um, basically leading a trip to Ethiopia the following year. Um, And so while all that is kind of going on, the same year, like all these other things began to unfold. Um, And so like I had a calling in my heart, I hadn't quite identified what that looked like, but I felt the calling and you had felt the calling and together we were praying through that. Yeah, absolutely. We, we definitely felt God moving um, and we didn't know what to do with it at first. Um, And so what did we do? We were like, well, let's go have a conversation with somebody that might have more answers than we do. So that is when we sat down with uh, Pastor Todd Alwine and uh, Chelsea expressed her uh, feeling of a calling toward missions. Um, And I expressed a calling of, hey, I've had this this vision or this urge or this calling in my life since eighth grade about taking people hunting. And and I want to use it to impact uh, fathers and sons. And I remember Todd um, sat there and he listened. Todd was such a great encourager. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he finally looked at me and, and he looked at Chelsea and he said, Chelsea, you feel like you're called to uh, to missions? And she said, yes. And he looked at me and he said, well, you've laid out, you know, what you feel like you're called to as far as impacting fathers and sons. Um, but you're, you know, I laid it all out, like details of like, I wanted to have this much property. I wanted to be able to take people hunting uh, and all this. And I remember Todd just looked at me and he said, what is to the core of what you're wanting to do? What is the mission of it? Um, and the mission that really came out of that was I wanted to impact fathers for the kingdom of Christ. And Todd looked at me and he said, well, let's just do that. Um, and I kind of looked at him kind of dumbfounded. And he said, look, he was like, forget about how you do it. Just start doing the mission, which was to impact fathers for the kingdom of Christ. And so what Todd did in that moment was he partnered me with uh, the children's pastor at the time. Chris and I met over the past, over the next, I think, six months and ended up developing a father-son weekend at a local camp. Um, and he basically, that was me cutting my teeth on providing a trip for dads and their kids. It was not what I envisioned. It was not really what I was even imagined looking at doing uh, because I was so focused on the hunting aspect. But Todd was able to break through that shell and say, hey, quit letting your expectations get in the way. And if your mission is to uh, basically challenge and equip fathers to be the spiritual leader, then just do that and find a way to do that. And so his advice to me and to you in that moment was just get started and start taking the steps to follow after Jesus. And I think this is a great opportunity to kind of 
if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I feel like God's called me to something, um, I'm gonna give you the same advice. Just get started. I basically sit there and I try and plan it out from start to finish. And that's not what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus called us to take one step at a time in in obedience and following him. And if we try and plan out where we're going to get to or how we're going to get there, uh, we're going to mess it up 100% of the time. And so if we could just be obedient in taking that next step in which he's called us to, forgetting about the rest, um, he he is faithful and uh, he provides what what we need and how we need it. So just to add on to that, like, um, I mean, you still work a full-time job. You work 40 hours a week and we're how many years into this now? Eight years. Like we've we've moved our family we've given up a lot and um and it's there's been a lot of challenges there um but when we were in north carolina and started this we were both still both working full-time jobs um so my point in that is you know when when you start to feel a calling like and they said start taking those steps it doesn't mean you need to plan out well you know i need to give up work and start fundraising or whatever like Go ahead and start taking the steps, start doing things here and there, and God will begin to lay those stepping stones and direct you and guide you. And he starts to put the puzzle pieces together and it all begins to fit. And so you have to, one thing we've learned and something we still struggle with, so I guess we haven't really learned, but <laughs> um, is we just have to drop our expectations because they're never going to be met. Um, God works in really unique ways. And even though you might have this vision in your head, like God might not be aligned with that and you just have to be okay with that and just continue walking because he is faithful and we have, and we will share and we will, um, you know, tell you some really, really cool things that had happened and he just continued to, to work it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is where it gets really good. And this is where it kind of tees off to what you said, Chelsea, is like, we have to drop our expectations because God's way is the best way. Um, and he does things that are just continually blow my mind. I don't know why I'm surprised every time something happens, but it's pretty amazing because, you know, my expectations, I, I can remember in college, um, all, since eighth grade, I was actively looking for property uh, because to be able to take people hunting, you have to have a property to do that with. And I, I was, you know, actively looking that out. And then even after we did this first father-son weekend uh, partnered with our church that had nothing to do with hunting, I was still looking for, uh, I was always on the computer looking for properties and um, I can remember expressing to you like I, I just don't get it like God has given me this passion and this calling but yet I, he's not providing the open door and you know what's amazing about that is um, we had been married I guess just just over a year um, and every Thanksgiving we would go spend time at my grandmother's in Statesville North Carolina um, and we would deer hunt as a family and all that. And it was the week before Thanksgiving. Um, I was working at an indoor soccer facility uh, as managing the facility. And I remember my phone rang and it had the area code for my grandmother's from Statesville, North Carolina. And I, I didn't recognize the number, but I was like, I'm going to answer it. And I answered it. And on the other end of the phone was a real estate agent by the name of uh, Leanne. I can't remember her last name. And uh, she said, is this M.A. Dozier? And, and I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, you probably don't remember this. She said, but six years ago, you sent me an email asking if you would 
if the landowner of the property that that I was trying to sell would be interested in leasing the property to you guys to do do deer hunts on. And at the time, the landowner was not interested, but she proceeded to say that he has since passed away and he has um, basically passed the property down to his niece and nephew and they can't afford the property taxes on it. And so they wanted to know if we would be interested in leasing this property uh, and cover the property taxes for them. Um, and I was, I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, sure, where's the property? Um, and lo and behold, it was a property that I had found that was just five miles from my grandmother's house. But here's the thing, guys. I sent that email six years earlier. And for some reason, uh, well, the only thing I can explain is it's God. She held on to that email or she held on to that contact information um, for reasons unknown. Like that, that just blows my mind. Like people don't just do that. Um, and so I was like, actually, we're going to be up there next week. Can we look at the property? She said, absolutely. And we're, we're literally, we're literally there once a year. I mean, it's not like, I mean, the timing, it being six years, but then the timing of just when she made that phone call was just yeah. I mean, it's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that, that, that's just the beginning of where God begins to blow our minds. And so I remember we, we went and we were uh, going through the property. It was my dad, uh, Chelsea, my brother-in-law, myself. And we were riding a Kawasaki mule through the property. And I was just like blown away at how beautiful the property was. And I remember we stopped about halfway through and I got off the mule and I said, hey, listen, I said, I want to lease this property. I want to use it for our family to be able to hunt on. But this is the vision I have. I said, I would love to use it to impact dads and their kids. And Chelsea knew that vision. My dad knew that vision. And my brother-in-law knew that vision. But I wanted to be certain that they were okay with this property being used in that way. And all of y'all looked at me and y'all were like, let's do it. Um, and honestly, we hardly ever use that property for family. It, it just became the identity of who we were was we started taking people hunting. And so that was in fall of 2013. We officially started leasing the property in January of 2014. Mm -hmm. um, and that next year, uh, we took, uh, I think, four or five dads. I just handpicked them and invited them. Um, and here comes the other question of like, where do we lodge these people? And lo and behold, my great uncle owned an old music hall with a dance floor in it. It still had the old school stadium in it. It had one bathroom, no shower. It did have a kind of makeshift kitchen. And that's where we lodged people um, that first year um, that I just kind of hand invited. Uh, it was very rustic, very rough. I mean, guys... The very last week in the propane tank ran out, and yeah. it was cold. <laughs> yeah, the very last week. I mean, it was like camping in a cinder block building yes. with banjos on the wall. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was not anything that was, like, super nice. And I think we didn't even charge anybody. We just wanted to get started, and we were doing it for free, and we just inviting people. Um, and, man, my heart was filled up because we did a devotional series put on by Kirk Cameron. And I was like, this is it. Like, I have made it. Like, I thought I was on top of the world. Like, I was taking people hunting, and I was sharing the gospel, and it was amazing. Um, and, man, just thinking about that little old building on the corner of Sheffield Road in the middle of Sheffield, North Carolina, um, and just 
the times that we had there. And that was, that was the beginning. That, that was really the beginning and how far God has brought us to this point. Um, but quickly after that, uh, you know, I'm going to let Chelsea talk about this a little bit because this was her heart. Uh, like I said, I thought I was on top of the world. Like I had made it. Um, and she came to me quickly after uh, that first weekend and she was like, hey, uh, we need to become a nonprofit. And I was like, no, nah. I said, I'm good. I, I've, I've achieved my dream. I'm taking people hunting and I'm sharing the gospel. I don't need to worry about any of that. I, I am living the dream right now. Um, but you pushed into me um, and, and you firmly believe that God was calling us to do that. Um, I didn't feel that calling, but you did. And so I want you to talk about that and talk about how we got to where we are today. The first one is what's really neat is how, and we'll kind of talk about this, you know, later on too, but God would start to stir in our hearts. Like you had one job, God stirred in your heart and you ended up in another job. Um, and like you ended up in construction, which you didn't know a single thing about. Um, but it prepared you for, you know, when we get into part two with the construction of the lodge. And I mean, you were able to do that on your own, especially with COVID. Um, and in my case, I taught for four years. Um, I loved the kids and I loved teaching science. I hated the politics and God just stirred in my heart. And I ended up um, at Fallen Creek, actually, as uh, administrative assistant. And um, it's just really cool because teaching, I was missing out on some of the skills as an admin. And so through that job, I ended up learning a lot. Like when I became a notary, I ended up learning just administrative skills, organizational skills. Um, and like so I was in charge of social media. So I began to learn marketing. I mean, there was just so many skills I gained from that one job. And I had no idea how beneficial it was going to be for us to run a ministry. Um, so just, you know, mentioning that first of all. And then second of all, um, yes, yeah, so we did the weekends. It was amazing. Um, other than when you about sliced your finger off when we were in the hospital. <laughs> I guess that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> it just seems whenever you're doing things that God wants you to, Satan is always there trying to bring you down. Um, but I mean, it was, it was really, really fun. We had some amazing experiences and I just started feeling like, Hey, if this is something we're going to do, we need donors. Like we can't be chart. We can't not charge people. Um, there's a cost for the lease. There's cost in resources. Like we need, we need donations. We didn't need a lot of it at the time, um, but people aren't going to just donate. I mean, they will, but generally you need to be a nonprofit. So I began to research what that process looked like. And I remember bringing it up several times to you and you kept saying, you know, like, I don't want to do that. I was like, but we should do this. <laughs> this these are the reasons we should do this. And you're just like, well, if you want to do it, go for it. Um, I was like, okay. I, I was very very passive on the whole thing and actually even got a little militant of like did not care anything about it and was kind of like begrudgingly was like if you want to go do it you go do it um and she went out and she did it i'm redheaded by the way <laughs> um yeah so but i remember seeing the cost and i was like there's no way we can afford this because you had you had to have an attorney um there was a lot of paperwork 
So no lie, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start this process. And um, one, we were blessed with an attorney who was local and went to our church. Um, And when we had kind of mentioned it to him, he said he would be very willing to help us. And he ended up helping us without charging us. Um, And so it should have been more than $500. I think it was just all the state fees and federal fees and all of that fun stuff ended up being $500. And sure enough, like we start the process and we hadn't asked anybody for donations. But one of the dads who also came to our church who uh, had attended one of the hunting weekends that we did that that first year, um, he sent us a check. No, we, we hadn't expressed to anybody that this was something we wanted to do, mainly because I was being bitter about it and didn't want to do it. So Chelsea was just doing all this hard paperwork on her own time. Um, and I remember you came to me and you were like, all right, I, I've got all the paperwork done. And I'm like, okay. And you were like, well, we need $500. So I'm like, I remember sitting there going, well, where are we going to get that from? I'm like, what, what do you want to do? You did all that work for nothing. And I remember in that moment, like the mail truck pulled up and it was directly after that conversation. I went and got the, the letter out of the mailbox and it was $500. And it said in the memo line, Nimrod Startup. And I came back in and was just like, well, here you go. And then I got super spiritual at that point. I was like, I knew he could do it, you know? Uh, I mean, but guys, this just goes to show you, and there's going to be multiple more times we talk about, but man, you need a woman behind you that is going to push you to follow what Jesus has called you to do um, day in and day out. Because without, Chelsea, without you pushing me and without you even just getting hard-headed and just doing something that I probably should have done myself, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, And so thank you for that. But uh, I'll let you continue on. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I mean, there's the check. And we filed everything. We had it sent off. And... um, and in the paperwork, it said it could take like two months to 12 months. And May was like, well, we got to have this done before 12 months. Like we got more weekends to start planning. And I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. And we were hearing horror stories about just how slow the process was at this time because there is lots of issues. And this is where I got super spiritual because I was like, he gave us $500 so he can do this in two months. So we're going to pray that this happens in two months. And it was two weeks that we received our 501c3 letter. Um, so we were praying for two months, and in two weeks, we were officially a nonprofit. Um, and so that's just another amazing God story of like, hey, I, God God was basically telling us, I'm, I'm for you on this. Just keep following after me. Just keep taking the next steps. Absolutely. Um, and so then we had the challenge of your uncle, great uncle, um, was like, hey, like, I'm not going to let you use the building anymore. You guys could purchase it. And so we were like, well, do we purchase this? Is this an investment that's worth, you know, the money? And we were praying through that, but we just didn't feel peace with it. And so, but but at the same time, you're like, so what are we going to do? Like, where do we house all these guys? And there was a super old house on the property that was a death sentence. <laughs> so <laughs> there was, that was not going to happen. Um yeah, I mean, and, and I talked about in, I think, uh, the episode, two episodes before this about when I was talking about waiting on God and, and being humble and still, I, I talk about the story of there was a house next door to the property that was like built in 1935 and it was in shambles. And I was convinced that was the house. I remember like 
we like looked at it. I stalked the guy on Facebook and was like, Hey, can we buy your house? Um, and I remember my dad being like, I don't think that's the house. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, it's it. Um, and again, I was just so tunneled visioned that I didn't have really good focus on what God was calling us to. Um, and my dad even, even told me, he was like, what if God has something better in store for you? I sent, gosh, probably 20 to 30 letters. I think I had typed up and, um, and sent off to about everything I could find within maybe a 15, 20 mile radius. And so I had sent lots of letters to all these people. And then it was just crickets. Like we heard nothing. Uh, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, you got a phone call, right? Correct. Um, so I, I remember I was actually, it's kind of crazy. I was actually, because I was working in construction at the time, I was actually doing a project for Falling Creek. Um, there seems to be a connecting thread here. Um, we were building um, camp out shelters for them. And so I was off on the mountain somewhere. My phone started ringing. Um, again, it was a area code from Statesville, North Carolina near my grandmother's. And so I answered it and, uh, there was a pastor on the other end from a church, a little old church called Imes Baptist church, uh, in Moxville, North Carolina. And, uh, at the time, I think they might've had, uh, 80, maybe a hundred people in their congregation. Um, and the pastor said, Hey, I, I received your letter, um, and I want to ask more questions. And by the end of that conversation, he let us know that the church had a old parsonage um, that uh, was not being used for anything, and he wanted to know if we could, if that would suffice in what we needed. And I remember we went and looked at it, and it was, it had three bedrooms upstairs, had a kitchen and a living room area, had a dining room area, which was perfect, but then it had a completely finished basement with a bathroom downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Like we can lodge multiple father son groups in this place. Um, and they believed in us, even though they didn't know who we were. Um, they had no, no business believing in who we were. Um, and they even allowed me to come and speak at the church. They give the vision of the ministry, um, and all that. But what is even more amazing is that, um, some people that are very near and dear to our heart, uh, Jamie was one of the deacons. I think he was the head deacon at the time. And the pastor told me that Jamie had gone and got the mail that day, um, and came in and put it on his desk and personally handed him our letter because he had opened it up in the mailbox um, and said, we need to look into this. And the pastor uh, admitted to me that if he was the one that went and got the mail that day, that churches get so much junk mail that our, our letter probably would have been thrown away. Um, and so God used Jamie to be able to crack the door for us to get in, to be able to lodge these father and son groups, um, which is a, an amazing testimony. And we've, we had a great relationship with IMS for many, many years. They fed us. Um, they took care of us. We, we went they to church so there. Welcoming. I mean, every, they were so welcoming. Every time we went for an event, we would always make sure to go to the service. And um, I mean, they would all just be like, oh, there's been them rods. <laughs> and they were so loving and uh, welcoming. And it was just really cool. Yeah, anytime a, a father-son group would kill a deer, they would swing by on Saturday and like congratulate the kids. And um, it was just a very special time for us. And they are very special to our hearts. Um, and again, it was a moment in which somebody believed in us that had no business believing in us. And, and what an awesome testament that is. But um, even even in that scenario, 
that created another problem. We were like, okay, well, we got a place, but we don't have anywhere for them to sleep because the house wasn't furnished. And so I remember we went to like Goodwill and we grabbed some like furniture and stuff like that, but we didn't have beds. Um, and lo and behold, one of the dads that came on the first weekend, uh, his sister-in-law worked at a YMCA day camp in all the way out on the coast of North Carolina. That camp was getting rid of bunk beds, believe it or not. And she said, hey, if you want to come get them, they're yours. And I remember we all packed up in the car, drove six and a half hours out there, uh, packed up the bunk beds and came all the way back. And again, uh, that's a story of somebody that we didn't even know. We had never met this girl before, um, but somehow heard that we were in need of bunk beds and gave us a call and said, hey, come get them. Um, and so God showed up again amazingly in that. Um, and so uh, we've just seen time after time of God showing up uh, in, in amazing times. And, and what Chelsea said earlier, um, she kind of said it tongue in cheek, but, it, but we firmly believe it. The more and more you move in the direction that God has called you to, you got to believe that the devil is going to be there to knock you back down. Um, so kind of the next step in that was we operated off of that property and lodged people at Imes for two years. Um, and I remember it was, uh, I, w- I was at work one day and I got a phone call from that real estate agent um, because the property we were on was actively for sale. Um, and she said, hey, I just want to let you know the property sold. And I was like, okay, uh, we kind of knew that was coming. But um, the problem with this was it was late summer um, and deer season was coming up quick. And, uh, then she dropped, dropped kind of the bomb on me that I had, I had 24 hours to get all of our stuff off the property, or it was going to be claimed as the new owners. Um, and so there was this mad rush of getting off work, getting a trailer, going three hours out there to Statesville and trying to collect everything. And the whole time I felt like what we had done and what God has provided for us was just falling apart in shambles. Um, and I can remember I felt defeated. I remember I was like, God, I don't understand this. Like if you have called us to this, like what is the purpose here? Like what is going on? Um, and that was late July. Um, and so we went all the way through August, um, with deer season starting in September, we went all the way through August without having a property. And I can remember driving down the four lane road, highway 280, going out of uh, Brevard, North Carolina, heading toward Asheville, North Carolina. And I can remember just having a conversation with God and being like, God, I don't understand this. Like if we're going to push forward in what, what you have called us to, we need property. And I remember him just putting a name in my head and saying, you know, someone that has property. And I remember a conversation. I played college baseball and my junior year of college baseball, we had a transfer come in and and got to know Evan a little bit. He was not a deer hunter, but one day he came to me and it was in the fall and he was like, Hey, my grandmother's passed away. My parents have now taken over this property. It's 250 acres in Wilkes County and it's loaded in deer with deer. If you would like to go hunt it, you can. And I never took him up on that offer, but now five years later, this conversation pops in my head. And so I'm like, I got to get a hold of Evan. I, I actually, I couldn't even remember Evan's last name. I just remembered his first name. And I started searching on Facebook. I couldn't find him on Facebook. I didn't have his phone number. So then I started searching because he was only there for one semester. And so I started searching for 
guys I knew on the team that might still be friends with Evan. And so through a mutual friend on Facebook, I found Evan and I sent him a message saying, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. And we need some property. I didn't hear anything for a week. And, uh, all of a sudden a message bubble pops up on my phone and it's Evan. And he's like, Hey, I checked my messages. This was in my junk message box. And for some reason I decided to go clean it out. I see your message. I just texted my mom and dad because they are actively sitting down eating dinner with somebody that is going to lease the property. And I told them to hold off until they could talk with you. The next day we drove up to the property and met, uh, Evan's parents. They signed us a lease right then and there. Um, and what an amazing opportunity it was. And that was one of the greatest properties we've ever had as far as being able for groups to see deer, shoot deer. Um, and it was just, it was a hunting Mecca. Um, and it, it was an awesome provision of the Lord. I, the, I can't make this up. I, I couldn't formulate a plan that would work. And God did. And, and we were just faithful in following his footsteps, even though I was not being very patient in, in following those footsteps. I, I, was, I was in basically panic mode of trying to figure something out. And if I had just waited on God, like he, he had the whole thing planned out um, from the get-go. Yeah, and, and just to add to that too, like, but you, you, you have to wait on God, but you still have to take steps. Um, because if you never actively searched out Evan, like none of that would have happened. So, um, I mean, yes, you have to wait on God. You have to trust that he is going to provide and meet the needs of, um, not your expectations, but meet the needs of ministry, um, how he sees fit, but you still have to work towards it. Um, I think that's something we've learned that you can't just sit back and wait. Although sometimes God, while you are waiting, sometimes God does boom just out of nowhere, but um, you still have to just kind of pursue and, and start taking those steps. And as you're taking those steps, like it might be dark in front of you, like you feel blind, but he begins to light up your path. We still had some challenges though. Now we had this amazing property, but I'ms the amazing church that we were at was what, 40, 45 minutes away. Yeah. Um, so asking dads to drive two to three hours to this place and then wake them up for a 45 minute commute before sunrise um, just wasn't great. So we did that for a season um, and it broke our hearts to kind of break ties with that church. And so I kind of went through the same process of writing letters to as many places around the new property as I could. And unfortunately there was, it was just crickets. Um, and so we ended up doing hotels um, and so we would partner like basically at two father son groups and they would stay in a hotel room. And, um, this was one of our busiest years. And so we were both working at this point what well, I'm pregnant with our second child. And then I have a, a little one. And so we are driving three hours to go stay in a hotel and we're, you know, like functioning the ministry through, through the hotel room. Um, so it, it was awesome. It was the best property we've had, like super successful property. Um, but there was a lot of challenges there. Yeah. So the, the challenges, I mean, me being a man, I'm like, just put your head down and grind it out. For Chelsea, though, uh, being the administrative 
administrator of the ministry um, and being intentional with our kids or our kid at the time originally was born, but Matthias, you were pregnant with Matthias. And um, you came to me after that season. You were like, I know God's called us to this, but um, I'm exhausted and I just don't know if I could do this anymore. Um, And I can remember it was funny because the last weekend of the year, uh, we had uh, Mark bring his two boys, Jordan and Josh, with us, uh, which Mark is now one of our board members. And on that same weekend, we had uh, Michael come with us, um, who is now one of our board members. Um, but uh, them two were on that trip. Uh, Michael was there on a volunteer basis, and Mark was there just to participate with his kids. And I remember... Mark told me in the car one night, driving back to the hotel room, he just said, why are you not doing this as much as you can? Um, and that was a key conversation um, in, in our life as far as pursuing ministry. And I gave Mark excuses saying, well, Chelsea and I are both working full-time jobs. The property's three hours away. You know, we, we're not really set up to do this every weekend. And um, Mark just kind of pushed back and was like, you need to be doing this as much as you possibly can. Um, you're called to this. Uh, and so there was that conversation less than 48 hours later, we're sitting in a cookout in Statesville, North Carolina. And Michael, Michael is there, um, hanging out with us as a volunteer. And Michael sits across the table from us and was like, you need to be doing this as much as you can. We need to find a way where you can have your own place to do this, where you can lodge people and take them hunting all in one place. And it's all contained and be like a Nimrod headquarters. Um, and I just looked at him and was like, you're crazy, man. Like, like, uh, I, I don't There's see no hunting in Brevard. <laughs> like, yeah. We, yeah. We lived in the mountains and we were having to travel like three hours um, for any, any decent deer hunting. And, and so here's two conversations I've had in less than 48 hours that just kind of was like, pushing us further and further. Um, but yet Chelsea and I both can't see what that next step is. Like we're exhausted. We're at this point, it's like, okay, we're in a hotel room. Like, so do we need to start again, looking for a place to purchase out here? And we were just like, what, you know, what's next in this? Yeah, we, we didn't, we couldn't visit physically or visibly see what our next step was supposed to be. And we had all these people saying, you need to continue to do this and do it more and more often. Um, but yet Chelsea and I just, we couldn't see it. We, we physically could not see the next step and we spiritually were not, I guess, ready to take that next step. Um, and so, uh, that's going to end kind of part one. Um, and in part two, we're going to talk about how God took us from Brevard, North Carolina, down to Elberton, Georgia, how we got down here and man, what a wild ride it was and how good he has been to us over the past two and a half years down here in Elberton and where he is taking us from, um, and where he continues to take us to. Thank you all for joining us, and we are excited, and we'll see you next week. But remember, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing forward. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Chelsea. Uh, I just quickly wanted to reach out and say we are looking for business partners. And what a business partner is 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 a business or individual who is wanting to uh, sponsor us for $100 a month. And with that, you get your own link on our website that directs and advertises your um, business. 
And then also we're going to be advertising you and giving you shout outs on our future podcast. So we would love to get you in on that and would greatly appreciate the donations and the sponsorship. Um, so if you're interested in becoming a ministry partner, please email us at contact at nimrodoutdoors.com or shoot on over to our website at www.nimrodoutdoors.com and you can learn more um, under the business partner tab or under the gift tab. Um, so thanks so much and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.